0: Well, good morning. After that, I am ready to dive into week three of my money, God's math. But you know, as I was sitting there during worship, I believe that the Lord wanted us to hear something today before I get into the message, and that is this, that God is into the business of restoring. He's in the business of taking things that are broken, things that are messed up, things that are behind, things that are crushing with pressure and stress, and restoring them. In fact, Jesus, the very first message that he taught, he said, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he was talking about that he was on the earth to bring good news. And this is the thing. The good news wasn't just for people who were sinners. All of us are, were before we were redeemed. The good news wasn't just for those who had sinned. He said, I'm here to bring good news to those who are uh, blind, who have Physical issues. I'm here to bring good news that God heals. He said, I'm here to bring good news to the poor. Good news to people who are in lack and in debt, crushed under the pressure of money. Jesus said, I'm here to bring the good news. And the good news comes when we open up our heart to receive the word of God that we sang about this morning. The word is the difference maker in your life. And for anything in your life, any situation, any issue, Any problem, any place you need an answer, if you open up the Word of God to see what God's Word says, I promise you it'll be the difference maker in your life if you apply the Word and embrace it. So today, I'm excited to bring the third week. If you've missed the first two weeks, it would be to your advantage to go back and listen to those online because we kind of set up a little bit in the Word. We set up things like when we see a promise in God's Word and when it comes to money, there are 2,350 scriptures about money. Money, God knows money is important. He knows you need money to operate. And he has a plan for your money. And he says that every time that you see a promise, that there's actually a, a man's side or a human side to the promise. And if we engage in the human side and the man's side, that it opens up this God side, the side where miracles happen, the side where Jesus is able to take just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread and make enough food for 20,000 people, <laughs> That's the kind of God he is. The God side, it means that he's able to take that debt, and he can expedite it being reduced and eliminated in our life. He's done it for a lot of people. He can do it for you. The God side and the man side. We also learned last week that really I believe that people who say that they are Christians, that they follow Jesus and that they love God, they really do want to honor God with their money. I don't think people stand back and go, well, I don't want to honor God. No, people, we, we love God, and we really want to do right with our money. We want to do it God's way, but fear comes alongside, and fear comes to try to persuade us and advise us that God just might not be who he says he is in his word. But we know that if we open up our lives to the word of God, we can let faith rise up in our hearts to do the man's side and have the God side activated in our life. So today I'm going to talk about something else that might give you a flashback to high school. See, when I was in high school— um, I was the kind of person that was very studious. My dad was very disciplined, and he kind of really brought that into our lives and in our home. And And so when it came to taking a test, I, d- I didn't just study to get a, a decent grade. I studied to get every question right. That was the kind of student I was. And I know the rest of you are rolling your eyes right now. <laughs> but I studied to get every question right. And I was actually the student that everybody in class would be like, ugh. I'd actually ask on Monday Hey, is that test still happening on Friday? See, because I didn't want to be caught unprepared. I wanted to study for every question, every point, right? Now my husband on the other hand, <laughs> Pastor Tom not so studious. And he's not here today, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna just kind of tell on him for a minute. Okay, but no worries. He's ministering in Northern Ohio today, and I'm convinced that when he travels back home today, he's gonna listen to this message. So I'm well aware that he'll hear what I say. But when it came to high school, you know, he has this like brilliant creative mind. He's like designing things and creating things and taking computers apart and putting them back together and creating music score and videos. And so on Friday, when he would walk in and everybody else would be sitting at their desk with their paper and pen and they'd say, Hey, are you ready for the test? His response would be, (laughs) (laughs) he's not the only one. What test? What test? So, if you're taking notes today, today's topic title is What Test? What test? And I don't want you to be caught unaware that you are being tested with your money. That actually, every time that money comes into our hand, there's a test that happens. The test is this Who are we gonna thank for the money? Who are we gonna honor with the money? Who do we declare is our source? Who do we think, when we have that increase that comes into our hand, who do we think is the one responsible for that blessing in our life? The one who gives us the ability to increase. The one who gives us the strength and the health and the opportunities and the divine connections and the good jobs and the customers and the clients for our business. Who is the one who is our source? That's the test. And so uh, today... You know, I know that sitting in here, a lot of people, when they have that money test and money comes into their hand first, um, the first person they p- they might pay is Visa. Just look straight ahead. Nobody knows it's you. And, um, you know, this is the thing. Visa can't bless your money. Visa doesn't have a Visa, Visa blessing. Now, you might think that you can be blessed by Visa, but at least for 30 days, <laughs> right? You go out, and Visa gives you lots of fun stuff until that statement comes in the mail and you know, okay, well, that wasn't so much of a blessing because now I have to pay extra on top of what I borrowed, right? So Visa doesn't have the ability to bless your money. You don't even have the ability to bless your money, but God has the ability to bring a blessing onto your money. And so today we're going to talk about the test. And as we talk about what test, there are just three main takeaways today and one challenge at the end for those of you who want to accept the challenge Three main takeaways, um, but let's go ahead and look at Malachi chapter three, verse six. It says this: "For I am the Lord; I do not change." Everybody says, "Thank you, God, that you don't change. You're not good for, good one day and mad at me the next day." Okay, God doesn't change. Therefore, you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of our fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances, and I'll talk about that word in a little while, and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, In what way shall we return? His response is this Will a man rob God? Yet, you've robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? His response, In tithes and offerings. So you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, this is the man's side. We've talked about the man's side and the God's side. The man's side is bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And the God's side is this. If I will not open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing for you that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land. So the three points today, the first point, the first takeaway is this, is that tithing is the test. Tithing is the test with your money. Now the tithe is a money test. But we have to understand a little more about Scripture because it goes a little bit deeper than that. It's not just a money test, it's actually a heart test. It's a heart test. When money comes into our hand, however it comes, whether it's a paycheck, you get a blessing of money from someone, uh, you have another stream of income that money's coming into you, however it comes into your hand, this is how it works. What is the first thing I do with my money? Do I honor God with my money? Do I pay visa with my money? Do I just let it be absorbed in the rest of all, of, all the money that I have? Do, what, what do I do with that, that first? Who's really my source? That's the test. Leviticus 27.30 says this, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, and must be set apart to him as holy. So one-tenth of whatever it is that you do, however money comes into you, one-tenth of that, the Bible says, we actually take 10%, the top 10%, and we set it apart. We set it apart. Now, why is it important that we set it apart? Well, because if we don't set it apart, it just gets uh, washed in with the rest of the 90, and it becomes common. But that first top 10%, the Bible says it's holy, and it actually belongs to God, and we're supposed to set it apart, all right? And so um, Proverbs 3, verse 9 says this, Honor God with everything that you own. Give him your first and your best. So we're setting apart the first, the best part, the first part of our income. And, um, you know, today it's so much easier to do this than ever with electronics because you can, as soon as money hits your account, you can tithe that first ten percent You can set that apart like, Boom right if you want to the way that we do it is when money hits our account the very first we pay most of our bills through the bank like the bill pay service which thank you for the bill pay service i love it and so we just family life church that's the first that's the first thing that we do with the money that comes into our account maybe you um just handle things through cash well i would encourage you set 10 percent apart actually set it apart from the rest of your money why because if we don't it just gets swept in with the rest and becomes common Exodus 23, 19 says this, As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord our God. You know, it takes faith to tithe the first 10%. The first 10%. It takes faith to do that. Because you know what? It doesn't take much faith to just give God what's left over because everything's paid. But when you take that first 10%, it actually is a step of faith. And The Bible says that this is the truth about the test, the underlying, broader picture, deeper truth about the test. Matthew six twenty one, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your money goes, shows what your life is about. Now, this isn't our test. This is God's test. This is God's measuring stick. In other words, if we say, God, you're my number one, you are the first person in my life, I, I, you, you have the number one place in my life, the Bible says that your money and my money better back that up. Now, again, hard to swallow, but this is God's measuring stick not a pastor's measuring stick who just decided that, that was a good idea. It's God's me- it's God's measuring stick. Stick. So when we say, God, you're first, does our money prove that we are in tune with God's agenda, with his house, with his work, with what he's wanting to do? Does our money show that we are passionate about what God is doing in this region through Family Life Church, and so we're supporting Family Life Church and giving to ministries? Because the Bible says that's the test. Now Hebrews 4:12 says this about the word of God. It says God's word is so powerful. It is like it's as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel. God's word has the ability to cut way down deep into our heart. It cuts down between our heart and our soul. God's word can cut down deep in between even our bones and our marrow, the Bible says. And it cuts down deep to to get way down deep into the deepest parts of our heart, where it concerns our motives and our intentions. That's Hebrews four twelve, and and the reason that uh, I wanted to share this with you today is because you know culture would say, you know, it really doesn't matter. God knows my heart, and I love God, and the money thing doesn't matter. That's not what the word says. And the Word has the ability, when we read the Word of God, and we're truly not just being surface, trying to check mark a, oh, cool, I read a Bible verse today, but we're really reading the Word of God because we want to know God. When we read the Word of God, what happens is the Bible actually reads us. And it causes us to say, am I actually aligning my life to the standard that I'm reading, which is God's standard? Am I aligning my life to God's systems and God's processes? You know, we love you way too much um, just to live like everyone else in the world lives. If you're a believer and your heart's devoted to God and you love God, God has standards. And the thing is, for the blessing to be on our life, we have to align to his standards. And if we we live just however we want to live, but we're saying we're Christians, but we're not aligning to the word of God, we're deceiving ourselves, the Bible says. And that's how people get in trouble. That's how people turn around and go, well, I don't understand why God didn't come through. I don't understand why why this is happening. Well, most of the time it's because we're not living according to God's standard. And we want to help you. God is so passionate about you. He is so concerned about the exact money situation that you're in now, whether you feel like you're deeply in debt or you're just barely struggling or like you don't have enough or maybe that you have plenty but you want to securely keep plenty right wherever we are on the spectrum of money God knows exactly where you are and his plan is a good plan for you now this is the thing if we read the word and we can say in regards to our money we're not I'm not doing that if you if you're honest with yourself you can say I'm not giving my top 10% to God this is the this is the good news if you're newer to the faith maybe you've never even seen it before maybe you've never even heard of tithing before there's grace for you there's grace for you to, to learn the Word of God and to understand the Word of God and then to step into the Word of God maybe you've been a believer for a long time maybe you've attended this church for a long time and for some reason whether it's fear whether it's skepticism whether you know it's just stubbornness maybe it's just not paying attention you haven't aligned yourself to the word there's grace for you God says at any moment this is this is this is grace at any moment, when we see where we're missing it according to the word of God, we can say, God, I'm missing it. I'm not doing that. But I make the decision right now to adjust my life to that. And just like that, the grace of God comes alongside of us and grace forgives our mistake and grace also empowers us to do the right thing. That is grace. Isn't that so awesome? That's grace. You know, tithing is actually a two-way test. Tithing is a test That God says, I'm going to test you, so you bring your top 10% to me, and I want you to test me. It's the only place that we can find in the Bible where God says, test me. Prove me, some translations say. Try me in this. See if I won't be who I say I am where it concerns the tithe. Now, the word tithe actually means tenth. So, the tithe is, is another word for tenth. It's 10%. And the good thing about that is it doesn't matter where you and I are on the spectrum. Whether you make $300, $3,000, $30,000, $3 million, tithing is simply one dime for every dollar. That's the power of the tithe, and it's the test that God has for us. I want to give you um, some quick fun facts about the number 10, because the 10th is a test. Um, In the Bible, the number 10 actually refers to people being tested. Okay, so I'm going to give you a quick pop test, pop quiz, but I'm going to give you the answer in advance. All the answers are 10. Okay, so now you have them. So let me ask you a few questions. How many plagues were there in Egypt when the Egyptians were being tested? 10. How many commandments did Moses bring off the mountain? 10. In Numbers, how many times did God test the people of Israel in the wilderness? How many days was Daniel tested? It's still going to be 10 every time. So it's getting a little bit weaker, but only a couple more. Okay, in Matthew 25, there's a parable of the virgins, whether or not they're ready for when Christ comes back. How many are listed in Matthew 25? How many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? 10. The number 10 in the Bible refers to a test, and the tithe is a test. Now, I want to talk for just a minute a little, a little more expansively about the God side. We brought the God side out when we had the first week of this, and this is what the God side is when we bring our tithes to God. Looking, starting at verse 10 in Malachi, it says, If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the enemy, the devourer, for your sake, So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. As tithers, this is the God math, this is the God side that comes onto our life and into our money. So, in regards to this, I have a couple of questions for you because you know, opening the windows of heaven for us is a pretty big statement. Is there any lack in heaven? Is there any good thing that is not in heaven? Is there anything that heaven, is there any answer that heaven does not have? There's not. It doesn't matter if it's a health issue. It doesn't matter if it's a relational issue. It doesn't matter if it's a money issue, if it's a wisdom issue, if it's a peace issue, if it's a purpose for my life issue. There is no answer that heaven doesn't have. And the first thing that God says that is uh, uh, open to those who tithe is that the windows of heaven The full complete supply for anything we would ever lack in our life is open to us. Amen. Isn't that awesome? The full complete supply for anything that we ever need, ever in our life, is open to us. The windows of heaven. Now, that second part is that he rebukes the devourer for our sake. God literally holds back the enemy from our life, from our health, from our things, from our kids, from our home, from our future, from our business. God himself says, I hold back the enemy for you. You know, and I was dwelling, uh, meditating some on the second part of this verse a lot this week because we've declared this to be the most fruitful year ever for Family Life Church, and we're believing that this will be the most fruitful year for you if you're attached to this church. The year that you have the most answers, the most increase, the most wisdom, fruit fruit, fruit, fruit. Everywhere you look, it's fruit. Everywhere you look is good. Everywhere you look, there's success. That's what God's plan is for your life, right? And the Bible says that um, that part of holding back the enemy for our sake has to do with the fruit of our ground. So the fruit of our ground, what is that? It's financial increase, projects that you're working on, things that are in your heart to do. Ministry initiatives, for those of you who are growing in ministry, business endeavors, business expansions, whatever it is that's in your heart to do, God says that I will hold back the enemy from those things, and he cannot cause those things that you're working toward in your life to fail. So whatever those goals are on your vision sheet, getting out of debt, savings goal, you know, you can just think of all the things on your vision sheet, the goals and dreams and desires the Bible says that when he holds back the enemy from you, that he's going to make sure that you actually get to the success of those things. That you don't go just a little bit of time and then the fruit dries up and falls off the vine and that you never get to, to enjoy the fruit of it, right? He says that actually everything that you're putting your effort to, your energy to, your mind to, your plans to, those things will succeed. Think about that. That means your kids that means the, the, the life that you're building, the legacy that you're establishing, the purpose of your life, right? That God's gonna make sure that it, it isn't soured, that it isn't um, destroyed, but that there's success, fruitfulness, right? Man, that knowing that the promise of the tither means that I never have to be in lack. I never have to be uh, wondering if things are going to go right. I never have to be in fear that things are going to be messed up, destroyed, or coming upside down or backwards. Such a confidence builder. Second takeaway today is this, is that tithing is an ordinary principle. We saw in verse 7 that God said, You've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you. Well, an ordinance is a decree by a government. Meaning everybody that's in the jurisdiction of whatever that government is abides by the ordinance. It's just an ordinary part of what we do. The city of Marion has different ordinances for parking and for different things. And if we live in this jurisdiction, it's just an ordinary part of our life. It's what we do. Same with the tithe. It's an ordinary practice for God's children. And we see in the word that uh, person after person whose heart was devoted to God, tithing, an ordinary ordinance, an ordinary principle that they lived by. You know, it hurts my heart today that it's kind of common that most Christians, because the the stats say that in America, only 5% of Christians tithe 10%, which hurts my heart because, man, the God side is so being withheld from their life. And only 5% of Christians are tithing in America. But what hurts my heart is that it's common for people to try and figure out a little loophole as to whether or not they need to honor God with their tithe, right? And, you know, truthfully, if you want a reason, you can just Google, and you'll find a few. They're not, they're, but let me share this. They're only partial truths. It's not the whole truth, all the arguments against tithing. And the biggest, the biggest argument against tithing is, well, that was under the old law. That was in the time of Moses, and that was the old law. And Now we live under Jesus, and we're in the New Testament, so we're not required to do anything in the old law. Well, I just want to remind us all that thou shalt not steal is part of the old law. That thou shalt not commit adultery is part of the old law. That thou shalt not murder is part of the old law. Now, we each have a choice as to whether we want to obey those ordinances or not. But if we think that we can murder, commit adultery, steal, all of those things without consequence, we're deceiving ourselves. Same as, same as with the tithe. If we think that we can just live our life and dismiss tithing without having consequence in our life, we're deceiving ourselves. It's an ordinary principle, you know. So, um, if you have been, uh, if you have been maybe uh, advised by fear or the enemy to try and figure out a way to find a loophole without tithing, I would just encourage you today: ask yourself, what is making me do that? What is making me try and figure out a way? to not align my life to this principle because truthfully, God has opened up everything good to us. God loves us so much, he sent Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for us. He forgave us of our sin. He took our shame. He took our guilt. He even took our punishment. So it doesn't matter what that we did that was wrong. We don't even have to bear the spiritual punishment of it. We don't have to go to hell. We don't have to pay our punishment for any wrongdoing we did. He wiped our slate clean. He gave us a new life. What in the world would make us go, well, I'm really not sure if I should honor God with my money? Doesn't even make sense, does it, for those whose hearts are devoted to God? Well, I just want to share just a couple of points with you about the ordinary principle of tithing and how... People thousands of years before the law of Moses, which is the biggest argument, tithed. And even in the New Testament, Jesus talked about it. You know, Genesis 4 said that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel. Abel lived 2,500 years before the law of Moses. Genesis 14, Abraham, which was 500 years before Moses, um, said this. So Melchizedek, the king of Salem, which Salem means peace, brought out communion bread and wine, which is a type of communion. So Melchizedek, if you know, know anything about the Old Testament, was a foreshadowing of Christ. Melchizedek meets up with Abram. He was the most high priest of God, and he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tithe of all. Jacob, who lived 400 years before the law in Genesis 28, said, This is a stone, I have set a pillar that shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Deuteronomy 26 talks about when the law of Moses came, how Moses led the children of Israel and talked about the tithe. A couple of verses here. It says, when you enter the land, the Lord is giving you as a special possession. When you've conquered it and settled there. In other words, when God has set you up and you're in a comfortable place and you have a house and you have stuff and you're blessed by God, Put some of the first produce from each crop of your harvest into a basket and bring it to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. In other words, he said, set apart the first and the best and bring it to the house of God, the sanctuary in Moses' day. Then you shall say before the Lord, I've removed the holy tithe from my house, God, and I'm bringing it to your house. I'm going to obey your commandments. I've not transgressed your commandments. I've not forgotten them. I've not eaten any of it when in mourning. In other words, when things got hard for me, I didn't eat the tithe. (laughs) I didn't use it, nor have I removed any of it for unclean use. In other words, I haven't used it for things that are common, like my electricity and bread. I'm, I'm setting it apart as holy. And it says, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you've commanded me. So now, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. The blessing of God comes when we obey his ordinance of tithing. Matthew, the 23rd chapter, is actually the words of Jesus when he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, be careful to tithe, or you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. He was saying, man, you're doing it right. You're tithing from the big stuff. You're even tithing from your little herb gardens, from your dill. That's the only, that's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> from your dill and your whatever. I don't have an herb garden if you can't tell. And But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, that's Jesus saying that, but don't neglect the more important things. So yes, we should tithe, but we should also understand the broader picture of who God is and, and how he works. In Hebrews 7 and 8, this is the last one in this section. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. In other words, however it is that you and I tithe, if we send a bill paycheck, text it, bring it to the house of God and put it in the offering bucket, However it is that we give our tithe, it's mortal men who actually receive it. They take it. They count it. They deposit it into the bank account for the church. But it's God. It's Jesus in heaven who actually is receiving it, okay? So while while mortal men receive it, manage it, and, and do the work of ministry with it, it's really Jesus who is receiving your tithe. This is the third and final point today. And it is this. Simply put, very simply, don't rob God. <laughs> don't rob God. You now, we can look at it this way God says, You know, you're robbing me in tithe and offerings, and we can look at it that we're stealing money from God. That's kind of like the quick black and white surface version, but I want you to look a little further beyond that because what I really believe is happening, what I believe is the further, the real meaning of this scripture, is that when we are not tithing, we are robbing God of the opportunity to open up the God side to us, tithes and offerings. He said, "You're robbing me in tithes and offerings." We're oh, we're eliminating. We're we're stealing from God the opportunity to be who He wants to be for us. We're keeping God from the opportunity of miracles happening in our life. We're we're robbing God of the opportunity to. To be the faithful one, the one that never changes, the one who delivers us out of everything and makes a way for us through any situation we encounter. It doesn't matter what. Remember we said the windows of heaven, there's no lack there. It doesn't matter what the issue is in your life. If we are ever in need for any issue in our life, if we're not tithing, we're binding God's hands from being able to be fully who he wants to be in our life. You know, God is extending to you and me the opportunity to partner with him. He didn't create tithing for his benefit. He, he already owns everything. The cattle on a thousand hills. Bible says all the gold and silver belongs to him. He already owns everything. He didn't create tithing for his benefit. He created tithing for my benefit, for your benefit, right? So that when we engage in the man side, we can open up the God side. God wants to open the windows of heaven for you. He wants to rebuke the enemy for your sake. He wants to bless your, your life so that it's fruitful, fruitful, fruitful. Success, answers, increase. Always going forward. So remember, when it comes to tithing, when money comes into your hand, it's a test. It's an ordinary principle. And the third thing is that we want to make sure that we're in the position that we're not robbing God. You know, 100% of the reason that we do every series, including this one at Family Life Church, is because we want you to grasp the Word of God. We want you to see the God system. When it comes to money, this series, we want you to see that there is a better way, that God has a better system for our finances. But, you know, truthfully, tithing is your choice. No one's going to force you to do it, no one's going to make you feel guilty if you don't. We love you. We, we love you. We love your kids. This is the truth, though. You're robbing God of the opportunity to be who he wants to be in your life. And you know, <clears throat> there's a family who's been part of our church for a lot of years, and no question in my mind, they love God. They've been part of our church for probably close to 10 years now, and truthfully, they've made attending church a priority. In fact, they serve almost every single time they're at church, they've, they've served for 10 years. They've made it a priority for their kids to be trained in the house of God. They love God, but when it came to tithing, whether it was fear or human reasoning, they just couldn't quite connect the dots to how tithing was probably really relevant for their exact situation. But then year after year would go by and they'd start tithing and maybe they'd stop and maybe they'd give some but not 10%. But then they wanted to take just a look at what God's system said, start stewarding their money better and opening up their life to tithing. I want you to check out their story. So Ryan and I have been
1: filling out vision sheets with the FLC Family for Vision Month for the last eight years. And every year uh, we look to uh, start tithing um, and we start and then we stop and we never fully commit. But for 2018, we really decided to uh, start tithing and not look back. In March of 2018, we enrolled in Financial Peace University in order to better organize our finances. One of the major pillars of Financial Peace is to begin tithing that 10%. So, in 2018, uh, we made that commitment and we were able to uh, pay off $25,000 worth of debt. We paid for a uh, five-person Disney vacation fully in cash, no debt associated with that. Also at the beginning of this year during my annual review, I was awarded with a 9% raise. So, as you can tell, tithing works, and uh, God says that we can test Him in this, and we did that in 2018, and we are so excited uh, for what 2019
0: brings. Amen. Guys, thank you for sharing that. Now, what I don't want you to hear is that when you step into tithing, it's a magic wand that eliminates every problem and issue in your life. That's not what the Word says, but the Word says there is a supply for every issue that you encounter. But what I do want you to hear is that what tithing does is it opens up the God side to you. And that tithing is, even though it was practiced thousands of years ago, as an ordinary principle for those who are devoted to God, it's very relevant to our lives today. You know, you can't talk us out of tithing for any reason under the sun. Pastor Tom and I tithe. Our personal business tithes. This ministry sets 10% apart to do things that are outside of just the regular operations of the ministry. Our staff tithes. The leadership team at FLC, If before anybody steps into leadership, tithing is a commitment that they make. Why? Because tithing is a heart test. <laughs> it's the ordinary principle that we all follow. Tithing is the only way to have the Godside blessing opened into your life. We're passionate about it. And because we're passionate about it, we wanted to extend a challenge to the church family. Now again, this is not to apply any pressure to you. God doesn't apply pressure. He's a God of grace, so we don't apply pressure. The Word shows us truth, so we explain the truth as best that we can see it. And so we wanted to give a tithing challenge to the church family. Maybe you've, you're sitting here, you're listening to all this, you're like, I can plainly see it in black and white. I don't know why I haven't aligned my life to this. I Fear has advised me not to believe God is real and God is who he says he is, whatever the reasons are. And we all, I'm sure, could come up with a few. Whatever the reason is, if you feel like, you know what, I need to start tithing, we wanted to have this tithing challenge for you. And because we believe in the tithe so much, this is the challenge. We're challenging, if you've not been tithing, we're challenging that for the months of March, April, and May, it's a 90-day challenge, that you would put God first with the full 10% of your income. And we believe it so much that this is our guarantee for this 90-day challenge that if after the 90 days, if you fully tithe 10% in March, April, and May, and after that 90 days, if you can't say, I'm not in a stronger position spiritually, emotionally, or with my family, or even financially, if you can say, it really wasn't worth it to me, then Family Life Church will give you your money back. That's how much that we believe it. We believe that God will prove himself to you. We believe it. You ask any tither, and and seriously, if, they're, if they've been tithing and they're serious about God, you can't talk them out of tithing. Why? Because God proves Himself to us over and over and over again. So again, this is not a gimmick. It's not uh, to apply pressure. But, you know, if you have you ever been at that spot where you're out on the high dive and you're like, I want to jump, but I'm just not sure. And your friends are like, you can do this. You can do it, right? Sometimes it just takes that little right, off the high dive to enter into that water, that's what this tithing challenge is. And so if you want to do it so that we can keep our part of the bargain in integrity and make sure that if at the end of 90 days you don't feel like God has proven himself to you in some way, that we'll give your money back to you, we need to make sure we know who's doing this challenge. So we actually want you to register for it. You can do that a couple of ways. The first way is that you can take out your cell phone right now if you want to. You can uh, dial the church admin, 740-387-7778, and just type the word tithe. If you don't have your phone with you, you can actually go to the information center and sign a piece of paper. If you do one of those two things, what we're going to do is we're going to send you a link to the website. If you want to skip both of those two things and just go directly to the website, you can do that, yourfamilylife.org. And what you'll find on the website is the big block that says 90-Day Tithe Challenge. You click on that. It takes you to a form. It doesn't ask you a lot of questions. We just need to be able to track those who want to take the challenge because we're serious about this. We're serious about helping you prove God in your life, in the area of finances. Amen? And so if if God's dealing with your heart, do it. If, you're, if God's not dealing with your heart, we still love you. You don't have to feel pressured to take the challenge, right? But if you feel like you want to take it, I'm just going to encourage you, do it. Open up the God side to your life, all right? Now, you may may be in here today, and you may say, you know what? I'm tired of all the stress and pressure and trying to figure everything out on my own. So the first thing I need to do is actually enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to give you that opportunity right now. So as we all kind of close our eyes and bow our heads, if you're in here today, and you might say, you know, maybe I had— Christ in my life before, I've not been following him, or I've never taken the time to say, God, forgive me of my sins and come into my life. We want to give you the chance to do that today. If that's you and you want to invite Christ into your life, just raise your hand for us, and we just want to know who we're praying with. We're going to all pray together. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. We see those. Thank you. And more than us, God sees those hands. He knows right where you are right now in this moment, and He is so excited that you're taking a step toward him. Now, the Bible says if we just take a little inch of a step toward him, he runs to us. He loves you. So we're going to all stand up today. Let's all stand up together. And what we're going to do is we're going to, all of us together are going to say this prayer. And um, if you believe this from your heart, the Bible says that Christ will come into your life, forgive those things in your life that you need forgiveness for, and wipe you with a clean slate. So let's pray. Father, So go ahead and repeat after me. Say, Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that you took the sin of all the world, and you took my sin too. I am asking you to forgive me for any sin, for the past mistakes. I'm sorry. Please come into my life. Wipe my heart clean. And I promise you, that I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.